0: Welcome to Radical Simple Living Podcast. This is episode one of series two and it's good to be back with you. I've been away for a few weeks. I haven't been away anywhere. I've been here working, but I've been trying to get lots of the big jobs of the year done um, here in southern Sweden, where we are currently changing from summer to autumn. Very nice time of the year. Things ease off a little bit, but there's still lots to do. But I'm aware a lot of my listeners live in the Southern Hemisphere, and for you, you're just changing from winter into spring, which is possibly even more exciting. So wherever you live in the world, good luck with those changes you have to make. Um, It's pretty much the same format as last season. I do lots of talking here, and you can take me up on any of the points I make. I'm not offering um, advice I'm not saying you should do this, you should do that. I'm simply offering some suggestions about how you might want to change your life to make it more simple. That's what it's all about. And as we've said so many times in the past, a journey to simplicity starts in different places for different people and ends in different places for different people. So your journey may not be the same as somebody else's journey, but you may both be heading in the same direction now you can get in contact with me at any time either in the comments section where you're listening to the podcast or through my specially set up email address for this podcast which is radical simple living one word at gmail.com radical simple living at gmail.com and if you do ask me questions on that do point out on the email whether you want a an individual answer for you or whether you're happy for your query to be broadcast in one of these uh, podcasts and uh, can you broadcast in a podcast or do you podcast in a pro I don't know but yeah I I can cover them in the podcast if you say so and you I can use any name you like if I do that now um, what I want to do today is to talk again about the idea of change but this time I want to look at change in a more analytical point of view about how you can make these changes to your life to make life more simple. And by trade I'm a chemist. I started my uh, working life in pharmaceutical chemistry and later moved into chemistry teaching before giving it all up to become as self-sufficient as possible. And a lot of chemistry is to do with the rate of change and by the rate of change i mean we can all say change we can say oh at the moment i uh, i do this and what i want to be doing is that but as a chemist the questions you ask about change are always two how far how far is this change going to go and how fast is it going to be and this is the case with simple living we want to know about change we want to know how far we want to change, how far we want to go with this change and how fast we want to get there and that's good. I should just say I've got a bit of a sore throat today, especially a special sore throat for the start of season two of these podcasts given to me by my son who caught a cold last week because he would just gone back to school. And as you know, those of you that send your children to school and don't homeschool, when you send children to school they come back with a cold in the first week of term. It's almost inevitable. So how far and how fast do you want to change? There's other questions you could ask about this. Is Do you want your change to be permanent? Are you changing your life forever in making this change? Or, or is it a temporary change? Is it something you want to try out, maybe to introduce this into your life, or maybe to try it for a while assess it modify it and then decide whether you want to carry on with that change or whether you want to change back again now some changes can be pretty radical some changes can really change your life in a way that you wouldn't expect um, in my life one of those changes was giving up full-time work and trying to earn a living doing other things and the second one I imagine was moving from the UK to Sweden. Both of those are pretty big changes. And maybe you're considering some changes like that in your lifestyle at the moment. Maybe at the moment you're living in a high-rise flat in Barcelona and you want to be working in a homestead somewhere in rural or Ecuador. Now, that's a big change. And you can't make changes like that without planning, and you can't make changes like that without financing, and you can't make changes like that without getting everyone else in your family to see that this change will be a good idea. And if you're embarking on that kind of change, you need to spend a long time planning. You need to talk to people. You need to undergo all kinds of research to find out what's going to be the consequences of your change And part of that planning should be, what can I do if it all goes terribly wrong? What happens if I sell my house and move to rural Ecuador and find rural Ecuador is not at all what I expected? And the answer to that is, you always need a plan B. You always need a way that if your uh, scheme doesn't work out, that there's something else you can do so as you don't lose everything. That's very, very important. Have a plan B. And the second thing you can do is do your homework really incredibly well. If you want to move to Ecuador, the minimum you could do is talk to some people who have moved to Ecuador, not people that live in Ecuador who may have a different perspective on things than somebody moving there. See what they've got to say. And obviously visiting Ecuador itself might be a good idea. And some of those things a bit, most people don't have that kind of change. Most people are changing from at the moment I'm living in a household with two people, both who go to work and earn a wage. Could we could we possibly radically change our life by one of those people staying at home and doing gardening and cooking and cleaning and all the things that need to be done in the homestead while the other person goes here out and earns a salary? that can pay the electricity bill, if you've got an electricity bill, or the gas bill, or for the car if you've got a car, all of those things. Now I'm saying if, 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 because everybody's life is different and some of the listeners to this podcast already live very simple lives where they've extricated themselves from many of the trappings of modern life. And other people who listen are living a very complex modern life but are looking ways to make it more simple. And I'm here to talk to both of those groups of people. Now, those big changes only happen a couple of times in a lifetime. They only happen when you've had a good chance to think about them, and they only happen if you can afford it, and if people uh, in your family, your partner, your children, your parents maybe, are willing to go along with the change. So those kind of changes can happen. Another kind of change you might want to do is just staying in the country you're in but moving a few miles further out to give yourself a bit more land associated with your house. Maybe come down in property price so you can sell your current home and then think about moving somewhere a little bit cheaper which will allow you to buy more land which will set you off on the whole path of growing your own food and maybe keeping some animals, and being able to live a much simpler life. Those kind of decisions are tough, and again, they need lots of research, but they can be incredibly exciting. And nothing is better than than starting a new life and thinking, wow, this is the life that I haven't fallen into, this isn't the life that I've had imposed on me by someone else, like, for instance, when we're born... We don't have any say about the city we're born in and until we're a reasonable age we don't have any say in where our parents work or what kind of uh, uh, job they do or where we live or what kind of all of those things are decided for us but making that change to go and live somewhere and have a a real try at a more self-sufficient life is a real decision you take yourself and it's incredibly important Um, Again you need to do your homework but I should also say you need to think very carefully about when you're going to move in and I'll talk about that in a little more detail. If you're planning a move to the country, lots of people think you can move to the country in spring and start growing crops ready for that summer. And the winter afterwards, you'll be sitting in your homestead with jars of canned goods all around you and a roaring fire of logs in front of you. And it will all be easy and then you just do the same thing every year. Well, that is not how it works. It might work like that if you're taking over a homestead from somebody else that's already done the hard work for you. If you're taking over the homestead and somebody has already planted the apple trees and somebody has already dug all the plots and somebody has already got your perennial crops in, your uh, uh, asparagus and your rhubarb and your black currants and red currants and raspberries and gooseberries and all those things and then all you're doing is taking over. Well, that's fine, but it doesn't happen very often. Most times when you buy somewhere in the country, especially if you've got it fairly cheap, in order to stretch your money as far as possible. You're going to have to do a lot of groundwork yourself. And the time to do that isn't springtime. So I would recommend, if you are thinking about making that kind of move, try thinking about doing it in autumn. In autumn, you can see the lie of the land. You can see where things are growing. You can see where the sun is shining. You can see what the, the, the land is like. And you can start planning, you can start working on it, you can start clearing land, you can start digging plots if they're already there. And then winter will come along and you'll have a time to sit down and start. And then when spring comes, you'll be ready. Now, bearing in mind, if you do it that way, you'll have had a winter to put your house in order. And then when spring comes, you can get going on the outside. You can do any maintenance work that needs to be done outside. You can start growing your crops you can get some of those plants in. If you've moved somewhere in spring or summer, it's going to be a much slower start for you because you've got a lot of organising to do. When I lived in Wales, we moved into that house in August and I was able to dig up a big section of lawn, plant some leeks, plant some Russian kale seeds and a few other crops and actually get crops off of it by uh, the end of the year that was that was there and that was the climate then and that was uh, as life was then that's good when we moved here it was December and what that enabled me to do was to do lots of work in the house over winter and get things a bit more uh, comfortable and then as soon as spring came I could go outside and start growing Now, obviously, Sweden, it's a lot harder to grow food than it is in Wales, not least of which the part of Sweden I'm in, which is towards the east coast of southern Sweden. We have had a terrible drought. Uh, We had a drought in 2018. We've had dry years again since then, but we had a really bad drought this year. And then when it stopped, the drought stopped, it just rained for weeks on end. It's been my worst growing year ever. So the other thing I would warn you is that if you are thinking of going and moving to the countryside and starting up your own land holding, your homestead, your small holding, whatever you choose to call it, be prepared that sometimes things won't work out as well as they could. Sometimes the climate will be bad. Some summers are bad. Some summers in the northern hemisphere are wet and cold and the crops don't grow and some summers are hot and dry in Australia some people have summers where it doesn't rain and sometimes they get summers where it rains continuously these are the ups and downs of a simple living rural life and you may decide those ups and downs aren't as far as you want to go but that doesn't mean you can't make some changes you can't make some changes in your life to make it more simple so let's talk about some of those changes you can make and some of those things you can do and how you start on the process look at every aspect of your life look what you earn look what you spend look what you eat look what you wear and try and look how you get your entertainment now if currently you're in a two salary house and you're buying new clothes when you want to, and your food all comes from the supermarket, and your entertainment is to do with lots of streaming and visits to cinemas and restaurants and and concerts of all kinds. That's what you do. If you want to simplify that, some of those things have got to be cut back. Some of those things have got to be, you, you won't live a simple life and be able to afford as much as you would like to spend on all those things so you've got to rationalize when you buy your clothes you've got to make them last you've got to make them not go out of fashion and the best way you can do that is buying sturdy clothes possibly second hand and making sure that you buy things that are going to last when you think about your food you're going to start cooking things from scratch you're going to start a meal with a heap of raw ingredients instead of the pre-packaged foods you might be buying. When you think about your entertainment, it might mean more evenings at home with a good book or with a chess set or something like that, rather than going out so much. Now, all these things aren't terrible, but they are big changes, and you will need to consider how you accommodate these changes into your life. That's the key, to think about the changes you want to make and to start them and to do them do you do things gradually if you want to make the move away from um eating prepared food every night to eating food from scratch every night do you just do it and say right on october the 1st this is what we're going to do or do you say uh one day a week i'm going to cook from scratch and then after three or four weeks i'll change it to two nights a week and then build it up like that slowly, you can make that choice yourself. When I'm talking about September, October, um, something really interesting can be observed there. If you take the concepts of New Year, I know traditionally in the West we celebrate New Year on January the first, a week after Christmas. In most cultures, there's no good reason why that should be, but it's interesting to note that many. Uh, religious faiths adopt autumn as the time of the new year. Islam, uh, Hinduism, uh, Judaism all celebrate new year in the autumn. It varies a little bit when because if they're based on a lunar calendar. But the autumn is kind of a time of new starts. All of you will remember starting school in September, usually, sometimes in August, but usually September. And there is a sort of change of about the place, isn't there? When you get to this time of year, you feel things are a little bit different. So um, you can make changes now, and now is a good time. You don't have to have New Year's resolutions in New Year. I don't know how many of you have read anything by Arnold Bennett. Arnold Bennett, the English novelist, who was writing... Oh, around the early part of the 20th century, most of his. End of the 19th century, start of the 20th century. And he was actually a a really good novelist. And if you never tried him, nearly all his works are out of copyright, if not all of them. I haven't checked, but I think they all are. And you can try them. They're, they're, They're really good novels. He's almost forgotten and much underrated, but he's very good. And he wrote this about next year quote the chief beauty about time is that you cannot waste it in advance next year the next day the next hour are lying ready for you as perfect and unspoiled as if you've never wasted or misapplied a single moment in all your life you can turn over a new leaf every hour if you choose end of quote Now, what he's really saying there is people tend to wait for New Year to make New Year's resolutions or to make these big changes in your your life. What I'm saying to you is a change of season, maybe from summer to autumn or from winter to spring, is a really good time to make some changes in your life. So decide what those changes are going to be. Decide how far you want to go. And decide how fast you want to do things. And in addition to those long-term changes, and some of those may just be pipe dreams for you at the moment, I understand that. My first venture into simple living many years ago was to buy a copy of John Seymour's Life, The Complete Guide to Self-Sufficiency, and spending a number of years just reading it reading and reading and reading it and getting an idea of what it was about and if I could ever do it. And those pipe dreams eventually materialised into taking the plunge. You could do that too, if you want to. But as well as those big changes, there's also some quick fix changes we can make. People might say, well, I do want to do that, but maybe one day. But at the moment, I just want some quick things that can make my life more simple. So uh, to finish off this little piece of the podcast, let's give you three or four very simple things that you can do to make your life more simple. Okay, are you ready? You don't have to do these, but think about them. Thing number one. I bet if I was to come to your house and have a good nose round and go into cupboards and drawers and look on desks and things, I would find vast numbers of ballpoint pens. And I would imagine that most of those ballpoint pens, uh, if not the majority of them, don't work very well. Why don't you get rid of them? Because they might start working again. Or maybe you haven't tried them. or, Or maybe it's less cognitive than that maybe the ballpoint pens just come into your house and once in your house they don't leave again. Here's my suggestion for making your life simpler with a quick fix. Get all the ballpoint pens in your house, get them together and take them apart and recycle them. Recycle all the plastic bits, put it in the plastic recycling and get rid of them. Make a resolution not to buy any more ballpoint pens And when you write in future, use a pencil. Use a pencil. You can rub it out. You can sharpen your pencil. You can put those pencil sharpenings on your compost heap. And that will be fine. And also, consider buying yourself a fountain pen. And if you get a fountain pen... Oh, maybe you've got a fountain pen. Didn't I see a fountain pen when I was looking round for ballpoint pens? Didn't I see a fountain pen stuck at the back of a drawer somewhere? I did, didn't I? You could get that fountain pen... And you could strip it down and make it work again. Buy a bottle of ink. Make sure that your fountain pen isn't one that takes those little plastic cartridge things. Make sure it fills with some other way. You can fill them with a plunger or you can fill them with a rubber bladder sometimes. Or you can fill them with the kind of cartridge you refill with a hypodermic syringe. But if you've got a fountain pen, you are going to instantly... Enjoy writing things down better. You're going to love filling your pen up and giving it a clean. Many of you were raised using fountain pens, and it would be good to return to that, wouldn't it? So think a little bit about giving up ballpoint pens, using a fountain pen and pencils. You're saving the environment, you're saving yourself lots of money over the years, and you're decluttering your house of lots of bits of meaningless plastic in the shape of ballpoint pens very simple quick fix you could start on that process tomorrow second very simple thing that I will suggest to you you do to make your life simpler is if you use paper handkerchiefs why not consider not buying any paper handkerchiefs ever again consider buying yourself some cotton or linen handkerchiefs of your to your own taste consider if you're a dab hand at the sewing machine using some very old worn sheets make excellent cotton sheets make excellent handkerchiefs all you have to do is cut them to a little bit larger than you need them and sew a hem in round the edges even people who aren't very good at a sewing machine could possibly manage that and then all you do with your handkerchiefs is you wash them now when i suggested this online people said oh there's all sorts of germs here's the news that's If you use a handkerchief, you take your germs home. They don't live very long. Um, At the time of the Covid pandemic, it was found that um, Covid virus lives on plastic for a long time, up to 75 hours, but only up to 15 to 20 minutes on fabric. And then it sort of gets drawn into the body of the fabric and can't be found anymore. So uh, all this talk about handkerchiefs not being hygienic. They are. As long as you wash them As long as you don't sort of wipe them all over your face and hands when you use them, but you learn how to use them properly, they're wonderful. So second way you could have a quick fix to make your life more simple is ditching paper tissues and using handkerchiefs. After all, what happens to paper tissues? How many times do you find paper tissues other people have used, which are just a little screwed up parcel of snot that somebody leaves on a seat or on a table or Even in a restaurant, you can—you know, not a posh restaurant, but a fast food restaurant, you, you find, no, a handkerchief is a far more civilised thing. So get a handkerchief. Third simple fix that you could have. Um, if on your bed you have a duvet, and the duvet is so big you can't fit it in the washing machine, and so when your duvet needs a wash, you're inclined to go out and buy a new duvet and recycle the old one. Why not recycle your duvet and go back to some blankets on your bed? Blankets, uh, I know in North America people do use blankets all the time. Why not use blankets on your bed instead of a duvet? Sheets and blankets, it's very flexible. You can wash blankets individually much more easily than you can wash a duvet. You can have seven blankets on your bed and, and so you've got seven different heating mechanisms. Again, it's what people did in the old days You can wash and dry blankets at home. It's a wonderful idea. If you do buy blankets, try and buy them in natural materials, please. Wool is wonderful. You won't need many wool blankets, one or two maybe. But the rest can be cotton. As long as they're trapping air and trapping those layers, they're going to work fine. So the third simple change you could do right away is to start thinking about dumping your duvet and going back to using blankets. Okay, the last one is an interesting one. It's about the idea of a yearbook. And what a yearbook is, it's not a diary. And again, I say this because uh, the change of seasons, as we're going through now in the northern and southern hemispheres, we're changing seasons, is a good time to start this. And your yearbook is like a diary, but it doesn't have any years in it. It doesn't have any... Uh, days of the week in it it just has the months and you could do this with an exercise book yourself and just write it up if you wanted to do something you could buy an old diary from a year that's gone by 1947 diaries are very cheap at the moment i think and what you write down in there is things you do every year well if it's somebody's birthday on the oh the, the the 14th of july say then you put the 14th of July and you put their birthday down and then every year it's there but supposing you plant seeds at certain times of year you could write down a time of year when it's good to plant your runner bean seeds or a time of year when it's good to plant your onion sets and you can look back at every day oh look the time's coming up when I normally plant the runner beans that's good you can put in it when seasonal produce is available you can say oh it's asparagus season Oh, strawberries should be in the shop too and you can go along and buy things seasonally so every year you're building up a sort of record of your year and what you do with it and it can have other things in it like you know time to clear out the gutters or time to get the septic tank emptied all of these things can go in it too but it's a good guide that you and your family can use to your homestead and the people that live in it and what they do at different times of year every year and because it doesn't go out of date you can add things to it every year if your climate is changing as rapidly as many other climates are you can obviously alter the dates in it from time to time so that idea is a yearbook Not a birthday book, but bigger than that, because the things you do every year are going to be in it. Cooking, cleaning, spring clean the bathroom. That's times of year to do it. Whatever you do, keep a record of it in your yearbook. Keep it up. Some of you will say, oh, I could do that on a a, a computer, I could do it on my laptop. Don't. Do it in an exercise book and use your new fountain pen to do it with or pencils if you're if you're less clear about when you want to make your raspberry jam, do it in pencil it's a return to the old ways, but it's also a return to a more simple way it's a if something's in an exercise book, no power cut, no outage, no loss of data can happen to it. Yes, you can lose your exercise book. I know many people have lost exercise books with math homework in and stuff like that over the ages but if you're careful you won't lose it what am i doing this week um it's a good idea i think if i try and finish our podcast when i'm doing anything exciting by telling you what's happening but bear in mind if you're listening to it at a time of year other than it was recorded i possibly won't be doing those things anymore this week i'm hedging i'm removing things from my hedge i'm planting new things I'm weaving things in, I'm generally trying to turn my awful messy hedge that I inherited here to a lovely native mixed shrub hedge. Taking a lot of time, but I'm really enjoying it. I'm also starting sowing seeds for winter. I'm sowing herbs and lettuce and spinach and leaves in pots. And the idea is those pots are going to be in the garden and the seeds are going to germinate and up until a time when the first frost come they're going to be outside and when that first frost comes I'm going to move them inside and I may be able to continue harvesting those pots then well into the winter now um, don't sow too many but if you get a, a, a large pot and you sow lettuce seeds in it sow it very thinly they'll come up slowly but if you sow them now you could be eating them in six weeks time eight weeks time and the good thing about growing lettuce in pots is if you cut the off at the base when you harvest, you can then get some new leaves sprouting. So that's what else I'm doing. And the other thing is I'm growing lots of sprouting seeds. Sprouting seeds I never have time to look after in summer. I'm always too busy. But when summer changes to autumn, I have time for growing the mustard, the cress, the radish seed, the alfalfa, the mung beans... Um, all of those things I like to grow in jars and containers so I've always got greenery even if there's none left in the garden. So that's what else I'm doing at the moment and generally having a tidy up ready for the end of the growing year. Okay, that's the end of today's podcast. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Please tell other people about it if you think they'd be vaguely interested and I look forward to inviting you here to my kitchen in about a week's time for another chat about simple living. OK, bye for now.